Access Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Presented by Bridge Bank. Be safe. Venture wisely. I'm Dan from Mac. On today's show, the presidential betting market and why this Thursday matters for pandemic-impaired mergers. But first, Elon Musk versus California. So on Saturday, Tesla Motors filed suit against California's Alameda County, which has been blocking the electric car maker's efforts to reopen its manufacturing facility in Fremont. The basic backstory, California Governor Gavin Newsom last Thursday announced that manufacturing could resume in his state so long as certain social distancing and safety guidelines were followed. But Alameda County has decided to move more cautiously, and specifically, officials want their stay-at-home orders to run through the end of May. This raised the ire of Tesla boss Elon Musk, who has spent much of the past two months tweeting about how lockdown orders are too draconian, and who is now threatening to move both future manufacturing for Tesla and Tesla's headquarters out of California. Why it matters is threefold. First, Tesla is the only automaker left in California. So if it takes off, there will be none. Two, this case could become a high-profile precursor to other large battles between businesses and local authorities over public health measures. And three, Musk's threat to leave California entirely could presage an era in which states compete for businesses based on COVID regulations, kind of like they've historically done on tax incentives and labor law. The bottom line, no one likes picking a fight more than Elon Musk, but this is one of the few times that his efforts could have consequences well beyond his company and his own reputation. In 20 seconds, we'll go deeper with TechCrunch transportation reporter Kirsten Korosek. But first, this. BridgeBank knows the ins and outs of business ups and downs and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank has been dedicated to providing financial solutions to sponsor-backed emerging technology and growth companies for nearly two decades through its national network of banking teams and offices. BridgeBank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be safe, venture wisely. We're joined now by TechCrunch's Kirsten Korosek. Let's start here with Elon Musk's threats, not just to leave the county, but to leave the entire state, including his headquarters in Palo Alto. How feasible is that? In other words, is this, from your perspective, a threat that actually has some teeth behind it? Well, this is all about public pressure. It is feasible, but feasible to what end? The company does have operations in Nevada and New York. The company and the Gigafactory in Nevada is quite large. And you could see a scenario where they could support moving it over. But the cost and pain to do that would be extreme. And also, I think what shouldn't be forgotten is that while there would be jobs that would occur in Nevada as a result, there would be substantial job losses in California. The public relations um, look there isn't great. There would also be the retraining costs too, right? Some people might decide to move from California to Nevada. It's one state over, but a lot of people wouldn't, which means you'd have to train a brand new manufacturing workforce in Nevada or Texas or wherever he wanted to move to, correct? Exactly. And this is a manufacturing facility. I don't know if you've ever seen the old Numi plant, which is now the Tesla factory or had a chance to walk through it, but you don't simply just pick up a large stamping piece of machinery or all these robotics or assembly lines and then just quickly cart them over. It would have to be done in the same time as they're still producing vehicles in Fremont. Because you don't just disassemble assembly line. You would stop all your production. It just doesn't quite make sense. 
So you said the suits in part about PR. Let me ask about that. From your perspective, what's the PR battle? Is it Elon just kind of continuing what's kind of been his Twitter crusade against lockdowns? And this is just him seeming at least to put some of his money where his mouth is? Well, here's the thing to remember about Elon. I've been writing about Tesla for a decade now. He can seem unhinged on Twitter, but he absolutely knows what he's doing. And he understands the power that he has on Twitter. So it can seem like as if he's venting or up a little bit too late at night. And it's all part of a strategy. And the strategy here is to bring as many eyeballs and ears to his specific problem, which is wanting to reopen this factory. I understand why he wants to reopen his factory. Any manufacturer would want to reopen their facility, right? They need to make their product. And in Tesla's case, he's got back orders for cars. Has Tesla, from your perspective, given a good explanation for how he will not just reopen the factory, but how he would do it safely and not end up in a situation like we've seen, say, with meatpacking facilities, where suddenly you have dozens, if not hundreds of Tesla workers sick and thus have to reclose it again, plus possibly have deaths on his hands? So on Saturday is when he threatened the lawsuit and then he filed the lawsuit. And then later that night, they did issue a blog post and a lengthy 37-page report. It's a go-to-back-to-work playbook. I will say that they did go through this in China and that they have applied because they have a factory in Shanghai. They say that they're applying many of what they learned in Shanghai to the Fremont factory. The part where I do a little bit of a head nod is that they never stopped delivering vehicles in the state of California. And a number of my sources who work for the company said that they didn't feel entirely safe all the time, that there was a mix of the diehard Tesla employees who were so committed to the mission that they kind of ignored health concerns and social distancing and things like that. And then there was a smaller group of people who wanted to have hand sanitizer and wanted to have masks on hand. And none of that happened in March or April, really. It was very, based on reports from my sources, very chaotic in some parts. So if you were to take that, then, you know, is the Fremont factory going to be the same sort of situation? You say that and tie that to the earlier thing you said about kind of what Elon does when he tweets the strategic. But if you go back through some of his tweets, you know, on March 6th, he, you know, he said the coronavirus panic was dumb. He has tweeted out some very questionable, outright false understandings of what's happening with the virus and of potential treatments. So do those things marry? In other words, is the partially chaotic stuff you've seen with the ongoing deliveries in California tied to the fact that it doesn't really seem, again, just from his Twitter feed, that he has taken this pandemic as seriously, say, as public health officials have? I think it's fair to say that he publicly has not treated it as seriously. I mean, that's a completely fair assessment. The question is, if he wants to reopen his operations, then he might be forced to at least put in place the measures that will allow him to go back to work. And I think he understands that. The factory is a little different than delivery hubs spread throughout the state of California. With the manufacturing facility, there's also this headquarters in Palo Alto, which technically isn't in Alameda County. Are people working there right now? Is the headquarters full or is this he wants to get the manufacturing facility open, but his executives are still work from home? From what I know, executives are mostly working from home. But I will say that one thing that's interesting is while the Palo Alto offices are technically the headquarters, he's been spending more time and shifted a lot more personnel to Fremont. And so it almost has become, in a way, a de facto headquarters. There's just been a lot more effort and 
personnel put in that place. For example, many of his comms people were oftentimes in Fremont. So Palo Alto is mostly office workers. Engineering is right within the Fremont factory, a lot of it, and not all of it. And then, of course, there's stuff down in LA in Hawthorne. Final question for you, just a timing one, a legal one. When should we expect there to be resolution one way or the other of this suit? Because again, Alameda County has said they plan to probably open things up at the end of May, which is in a few weeks. And Elon suing, obviously, to get it done earlier. When should we expect to see some sort of resolution from a judge? This is injunctive relief. So this means that things should move fairly quickly. And Alameda County has said that in a week or so, they will look at the manufacturing component. So this is all going to go down, I would expect, within the next few days, certainly. And one more note, the attorney who filed the lawsuit is Alex Spiro. This is Elon Musk's personal attorney and the attorney that was actually successful in the pedo case that we all remember from last year. And so Alex Spiro has proven to be pretty convincing and successful in the courtroom. So we'll see how he does here. Kirsha Korosek of TechCrunch, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. My final two right after this. Bridgebank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors, those committed to making the world a better place. Bridgebank has been dedicated to providing financial solutions to sponsor-backed emerging technology and growth companies for nearly two decades through its national network of banking teams and offices. Bridgebank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridgebank, be safe, venture wisely. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is November's presidential election, which not too long ago seemed like the consensus mega story of 2020. Most polls right now show Joe Biden leading Donald Trump, including in enough swing states to shift the balance of White House power. But betters, they seem to disagree. As Axios' Dion Rabowin reports this morning, Biden is an underdog in casino sports books, which actually take bets on this sort of thing now. Specifically, they're paying out around 83 bucks per winning bet on Trump versus $135 for winning bets on Biden. And Real Clear Politics has an average of online betting sites, which gives Trump around an eight point lead. What none of the bettors know, though, is the state of America's economy or of a coronavirus vaccine by Election Day. And in this case, that's kind of like not knowing if the game will be played on a 70 degree day with clear skies or in the middle of a frigid blizzard. And finally, this Thursday could become a very important day for global mergers and acquisitions, many of which have collapsed due to economic uncertainty surrounding the pandemic. Private equity firm the Carlyle Group is seeking to back out out of a deal to buy a 20% stake in American Express Global Business Travel, basically arguing that the outbreak has so decimated the hospitality industry that it's triggered something called an MAE, or Material Adverse Effect, which is a common clause in merger agreements. The thing is, MAE clauses are often in the eyes of the beholders, and so far, there hasn't been a judicial ruling yet on if this pandemic, and everything that surrounds it, is a legally legitimate trigger. But again, Thursday, that could change. When a judge hears arguments on this case and his ruling could set legal precedent for everyone else with deals in peril. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great national Twilight Zone day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata podcast.